0: Yeah, that's fine. Keep it there. No, whose is this? Yours? No, no, Zafir's. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. They're allowed to sell tickets to Mr. What? They're allowed to sell tickets to Mr. Tune. Yeah. Selling your seat Yeah, it can be done outside. It'll be fine. What's happening? Where? Okay, and the other one? Yeah. Alright folks, bismillah ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barakala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Allahumma la sahle illama ja'lta wa sahle wa anta tajul hazna the shi'l sahla, Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatiki ya rabbil kareem Asalaamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh folks, alright so, um, so uh, for the LP students just want you to know that um, in today's class the first portion of it, uh, I'm hoping, yeah, maybe just 20 minutes inshallah, I want to dedicate to the concerns over the coronavirus, okay? I want to share the uh, my viewpoint uh, from a medical background and from a Islamic background, and then we'll carry on with the Logical Progression class. For those who are watching this live on uh, Facebook, then you are actually tuned into uh, our weekly class, which is where all the cool cats Yana, end up every week. Uh, online at logicalprogression.org. It's a weekly fiqh class, uh, covering absolutely everything. And uh, just like today, we're covering um, the coronavirus. I don't know which way we blagged it. Yeah, maybe have we done coughing in the prayer? What, what was the last couple of weeks? Yeah. Sutra, <laughs> is that whatever? Actually, we did, right? Two, three, two weeks ago, right? We spoke about yeah. Any, uh, are you allowed? Uh, To (laughs) Are we we allowed to um, move, right? And we spoke about the movements of the permissible movements in the prayer and uh, how unacceptable it is that a person has a mobile phone in a pocket, for example, and it's ringing or it's in front of them in their jacket and it's ringing. They have to step down, uh, bend over and take it from their jacket or take Mm -hmm. it from their pocket and turn it off and that there are a number of times from the Sunnah and especially the companions that people move mm-hmm. and so of course if someone's having a coughing fit for example or wants to uh, last week we spoke about, uh, in fact we covered this last week man uh, uh, can you uh, to uh, uh, basically Shazad Salim yeah. You know people say You know I impress myself sometimes, you know that sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Only sometimes. Only sometimes. And recently I realised, you know, I'm a lot calmer than I used to be. (laughs) Like, you know. (laughs) I (laughs) I swear to you, man. So those in LP uh, who are currently um, just wondering what's going on, we're having to restart because Shazad Salim is Bismillah, MashaAllah. So just give us a few minutes. Anyway, if it's only LP students, yeah, online at the moment, right? Hello. So um, for you guys, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be covering um, the last... uh, the last uh, few points before we come to a major, major section in the prayer and that is arkan. that is his pillars. Yeah, so today we're hoping to basically cover the uh, remaining kind of things that a person is allowed to do in the prayer. And this is actually referring to speech in terms of yani, making Isti'adah or Ta'awud and then also asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for His bounty whilst praying. That's what we're going to be covering. But we just want to... um, Wait for that. What was I even saying? What was I even saying? Oh, spitting in the prayer, yeah. Actually, uh, I can continue on that point anyway. Yeah. it would have it would have yeah it would have so um, in actual fact obviously if you need to get tissues if you need to get a handkerchief if you need to move for that then that's by obvious extension something which is allowed in the prayer uh, to do minbab al however however ironically as I'm going to mention in this uh, in this uh, section uh, or this session that's on Facebook That this idea of uh, uh, coughing uh, into a uh, a tissue and you know taking a tissue out—that's not an Islamic idea. It's not an Islamic concept. All right. So I wonder. So you know, uh, I mean, just to be accurate. So in actual fact, we've got no basis to discuss coronavirus connected to the deaths. Which which streaming? Which stop? happening boys and girls (laughs) (laughs) now there's no darts at all now shadow 10 watch news we've got some interesting question we can deal with yeah come on Sure? <coughs> yep. right Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, wa ala All right, so for those who are joining us on uh, Facebook, you are now part of the Logical Progression class, which is what we hold every single week, here at the uh, site which is known as, uh, which is found at www.logicalprogression.org. Uh, And in this particular week's lesson, um, because of the number of uh, uh, people asking me via all, you know, whenever I see them or emails or X, Y, Z, I wanted to just, you know, get over and done with and deal with the issue of the coronavirus, the concerns from Muslims um, about the coronavirus. And I'm going to give my take on it. That take is obviously going to be subjective, subjective actually from both angles. So, from the medical background that I have, it's subjective because I come from a, uh, a pharmaceutical background, which is therefore drugs, which is therefore vaccines, which is therefore immunizations. I had a, I specialize in immunizations actually, and um, and I'm a pro in terms of a uh, vaccine kind of user, user and of course there is a an important voice out there which is anti-vaccine anti-medication etc cetera, etc cetera. so you do need to understand that even medical professionals that are dealing with scientific facts and statistics are just using the stats and figures like they want to and in actual fact when we speak about the coronavirus numbers and figures I will, I'll illustrate that just how easily it can be misread right or or how you could build two quite quite, quite different narratives depending upon what kind of stats you use and then the Islamic background, the Islamic angle as well I want to share because the Islam does speak about illnesses, infections, uh, epidemics as well or pandemics and um, our approach to it from a, a physical point of view and from a theological point of view as well. And I want to try and cover that as the first part of this class uh, and then uh, then we're going to turn the Facebook off and then we'll just carry on on the logical progression uh, portal. So, uh, Bismillah. Now, the uh, I, I put i've put it in uh, uh speech marks coronavirus because of course anyone that's that as that's a medical profession knows that there's not such thing as a, a coronavirus the coronavirus is a family it's a particular particular subtype of viruses uh and the coronavirus I, uh, family are effectively the ones that you know uh the common cold is a type of coronavirus a type of virus which is very similar to a coronavirus the influenza virus very similar to it SARS is a coronavirus MERS the Middle Eastern uh, version of the SARS which is like a mutated form that is a coronavirus and then the current one which is called the Wuhan or blah blah Chinese one it's actually they've given it an official name of COVID-19 it's another form of the coronavirus all of these viruses are, are ironically actually very basic in nature well understood, even though they are, uh, 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 you know, mutations can occur, and even though the situation gets worse when it's animal uh, initiated, which is this one seems to be, and they're upper, rep- upper respiratory tract infections most of the time. You know, there's different, virus- different viruses, killer viruses, you know, the ones that you know make people very, very worried and scared, like Ebola or whatever, they will have very specific actions. Whereas these kind of, this very common family, ordinary family of viruses, they, they basically deal on the lungs. That's what we mean by the upper respiratory tract. So deal, it affects your breathing. And um, obviously people are very uh, worried and scared. And the reason that people are very worried and scared is mostly because uh, of lack of information or not uh, understanding the information or fear of the unknown. Okay, These are the actual kind of real reasons why there's panic going around amongst people. Because... When you break it down in terms of what it actually does, how many people it infects, the way that it infects and so on, we're not dealing with anything new. Coronaviruses have been around for a long time and this one is not particularly nasty or a mega killer. SARS was far more dangerous in terms of mortality rate. Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the Middle Eastern version of MERS was far, far more. Yeah, and, and that was in, for example, in the Muslim countries in Saudi Arabia. And that reached a mortality rate of 40%, right? sars maybe 20 any crazy numbers uh, realistically the correct number for uh and i I, i've obviously i'm playing along with the the crowd and the the narrative i've gone to the very negative yeah to the mortality rate the mortality rate of this current coronavirus is between one to three percent okay and Uh, This is a number which is also very difficult to digest for a number of reasons. One, because of reporting rates. Two, because of death rates. Is it because are people dying because of this virus or associated conditions? And when they die, do you associate it and put it under the column of the virus or not? And then a breakdown of actual quality of of, uh, diagnosis and reporting and so on and so forth, especially as it's the winter. And in the winter, around... um, If you look at a, a calendar year, in a calendar year we have approximately 300, 400, up to 700, maybe 650,000 people who die every year from influenza, okay, every year. Now, they're far more accurate in, uh, in uh, ascertaining that this was the reason because the vast majority of anyone who dies from a virus is because of they, they're already immunocompromised. They're already very old or very young or um, they have a very particular strain on their body that strain could be a baby meaning they're pregnant that strain could be because they have hiv or because they're immunocompromised or because they are taking steroids or high steroid uh, treatment for something so they or they are very weak they don't eat a lot they're not you know, they're drinking a lot so their immune system is just weak generally right so these are people who are under threat from the most basic of stuff a common cold can kill some of these people so it's actually really difficult to be very accurate about these figures and that lack of accuracy causes panic And people are then not sure what's going on. Obviously, everything new that causes panic, okay? Social media is a disaster, right? If this happened 10, 20 years ago, no one would even know or care about this, right? One of the biggest problems of being in a 24 hour news cycle is that literally we're hearing it said again and again and again and again, and it's dominating every single news story at at the very highest level. It's not like it's getting pushed down, you know, like normal wars or incidents after a couple of days. It's, it's consistently, for the last two months, been number one news story. And it's just yeah, in ramping up new figure, new country, this, that, whatever. And I remember uh, uh, reading some of the, uh, psych- the, the uh, psychologists that were involved in this uh, that have been a- a- assessing it. And some of the points they've been making, um, two interesting points which maybe have not occurred to you, is number one the fear aspect beforehand which causes panic which is when you add a, an exotic name to it so you call it the wuhan virus and you call it the chinese one we're already anti yeah, petrified of the chinese anyway right okay so i mean they they they, they, they would need to do anything yeah to, to make us yeah, you know absolutely broke it anyway let alone yeah, send a virus our way right then add conspiracy theories that you know this is their chemical weapons side gone wrong their biological weapons gone wrong this is punishment for what they did to the Uyghur community etc etc these are yani very islamically these hold no water if someone's got scientific proof of this then you know good luck islamically though we don't believe yani per se that we can say with certainty this is a person that's be, this is a country or or a people that are being punished in a specific way cuz you'll find many logical responses uh, to that And the conspiracy idea that the Chinese are trying to cause a problem, actually, it's the Chinese research which is allowing the rest of the world to deal with it. So, for example, us being given the genetic code in the rest of the countries of the genetic sequence of the actual virus is allowing the rest of the countries to not only start looking for vaccines, but also to test for it. And once you have the genetic sequence, you can then produce uh, different countries can use their health system and their research facilities to create different tests that can give a result in a couple of hours to a couple of days, according to their budget, etc. So this is not about conspiracy. There is no, uh, uh, it's not an unfounded uh, scare kind of tactic. There is a a real problem which is going on, but it is definitely sensationalized and genuinely Genuinely, if you were in an area where you're not getting news updates every single moment, then you wouldn't be worried about this at all. And if you think that every year 650,000 people are dying of influenza, okay, 650,000, and then you count back about how many years we know that influenza has been an active, actual virus killing people, I think at least 50 years, right? I'm sure the 60s or something like that. We're talking billions of people. We're talking huge numbers. No, not billions, millions, tens of millions, tens of millions of people. Now, that's something that would freak you out, but it doesn't because we're used to it. And so because this is new, and because this is being repeated, then it's getting out of control. The number itself, as I said, in terms of deaths, if you were to be very scientific, then the influenza uh, virus is a one in a thousand, or uh, you know, no point, less than 0.1%. That's the easiest way to put it. Less than 0.1% of the people, it, it kills, right? And again, that 0.1%, when you look into it, are mostly the people who are immunocompromised. Uh, the UCL, University College London, they reckon that the current median or mean uh, uh, mortality rate from all of the, with all the problems of determining that is 0.8%. I was looking at some figures to give you a, a, an even more accurate idea. From a child point of view, from 0 to 9, 0% in terms of mortality. 10 to 19 ages I'm talking about. 0.2% and it's 0.2% up until 50 okay so from 20 to 20 not 0.2 from 30 to 30 now 0.2 then it starts to go to 1% then 3% it is at 80 plus that you get the the vast majority 14.8% mortality <coughs> so that's when you have very poor quality lungs and breathing uh, strength and immune, immune system that is uh, affecting people so from a medical background this is a quite a common virus which is being spread and actually not very infective. Okay, so uh, it's not like um, uh, what I mean by it's not like a gas airborne that you know can spread for miles and whatever. You know that's that's the extreme of super infective, right? And at the same time, it's not um, uh, it's not o- also uh, completely inert. It is via airborne uh, droplets which will will will. Uh, uh, enter your system, mostly your nasal membrane Or through your mouth This is where it will basically enter um, After someone coughs or sneezes Right And so that's why everything that you're hearing From the medical, prof- medical professionals And everyone's looking for some great kind of You know, scientific answer And people are disappointed Because there's nothing to tell you You just got to You know, if you yourself are coughing Then be a normal insan Not some dumb, you know Okay And I think, honestly, genuinely the greatest benefit of this mars or this shismal uh, covid 19 is that now we've got justification to slap yani you know, those dumb yani pandas yani who are you know <coughs> you know in the masjid every time you're there someone's just coughing 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 coughing. now finally alhamdulillah okay i know this is meant to be an islamic yani class so you're not allowed to slap that person but at least you can have a real go at them okay and they'll know and they'll feel really kind of embarrassed now you know it's, a, it's an actual reason that you've got to stop yeah, and it acting in such a stupid, irresponsible way and that's, that's generally across the board let alone yeah, with this condition Now, um, so that's how it's spread by someone either coughing and sneezing on you and you, you swallowing or you in, uh, inhaling that or you touching those particles like for a person and this is why I, wanna, uh, uh, I, I wanted the Islamic part in this as well there's a, a lot of discussion about cough into a hand or cough into a, a, a tissue you know the NHS sign is uh, what is it? Cough it, see, what is it? Catch it, catch it, it. it bend it, it. It, it, kill it. Okay, this is not an Islamic yani concept, and actually, it's astonishing that it's a National Health Service yani concept as well. Okay, because you would have to be the most yani, masha Allah, yani you know so smooth with your hands and your ability to use a tissue and not get it on your hand if you are sneezing and coughing, right? So you'd have to have, normally what happens when you take a tissue out? It's not that big, is it? It's been scrumpled up, yeah? And when you're about to cough, sneeze, it's all panic, panic, grab me and my tissue, right? And by the time that you're scrunching it open, you sneeze into like, you know, a ball of it, like that, right? So your hand is the one which is still being yeah, infected. Still yeah, is the one. So you can go and catch it and sneeze it and bin it and kill it and as much as you want. The truth is, it's going on your hands. Which is why they're going big on the you've got to keep washing your hands every single second, whatever, whatever, whatever. Now, I want you to know that there's a no, nothing in our deen which tells us that when you cough and sneeze, you're meant to put your hand out. Yeah, that's only for yawning, right? We only have, and even then, actually, the asal is to close your mouth, not even to use the hand, right? The correct way, both from an insane way, social etiquette way, is to use your bicep and your elbow and to trap it, like this, so when you cough, you should move away from a person so they're not in a direct zone so if you're there and you go, (coughs) that's it coughing, sneezing, you don't need to get your hands involved and especially Muslims, where it is a sunnah to be shaking hands right, it's a sunnah to be shaking hands, you should not be using your hands for this kind of thing, right? Uh, it's, it's just irresponsible. Not everybody throws a tissue in the bin immediately. People leave these things around, blah, blah, blah. And hands are not always being washed, although, of course, we know that in our deen we're meant to be making wudu regularly. It's a sunnah to make the wudu, although not obligatory, but it's a sunnah to make the wudu for each prayer. Okay, so there's a regular yani, washing process anyway encouraged. So, I mean, basic etiquette is an opportunity here for everybody to learn. And so we should ensure that if we have these kind of coughing uh, uh, conditions, whether we have the the condition or not, we should at least know how to cough uh, 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 and not spread uh, the the disease itself. What are the symptoms of this? Exactly like the common cold, fever, uh, coughing and the key, a bit of a headache, the key is the breathlessness. Okay, now every upper respiratory tract infection causes breathlessness or causes it uh, more difficult for you to breathe. That's why someone who has a very bad chest infection, we give them an inhaler even though they don't have asthma or something like that because it's really bad on their chest This, when it gets very bad, can cause pneumonia and bronchitis which is the two conditions that if they become very, very serious then cause the death that everybody is leading to This um, uh, doesn't have other ways that it kills people right, It's not some mysterious kind of killer one of the, the interesting ways that you can distinguish this from other coughs and colds and all the rest of it is that it doesn't have a runny nose or very rare and does it have uh, 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 runny uh, noses doesn't cause diarrhea it doesn't cause the other symptoms that you might associate with being ill so this is like a really bad cold stroke flu and anybody who's had flu will more than likely feel far worse in having a bad case of flu than they would if they have the coronavirus so that, those are the facts with respect to the condition um, itself. And uh, if a person gets it, you've all, heard, you've all heard what they're telling you, isolate yourself, just try not to spread it to anybody else. And that that is an in- important point because it um, might not seem very kind of, uh, how can I say, um, clear that you've got it, but the incubation is there and you can infect people yeah, and during that period of time as well. And there is no secret medication, there's no vaccine available for it, there's no antiviral medication that works against it All you'll be needing to do is to take antipyretic medication Antipyretics are those which reduce your temperature, so paracetamol ibuprofen These are the things that will be reducing your fever and you'll be taking lots of water to keep yourself rehydrated And lots of sleep to keep your body strong in terms of its immune system That's what everybody will do So I want people to realize that before I even get into the Islamic Deen Tawakkul theology part This is a basic infection all right? This is not you know, the killer uh, Ebola you know, on drugs and on, on steroids times 4 that is may, being made out to be and we've got to have a little bit of you know, self-respect and recognize that you know, that the very nature of social media and the news cycle has made it so 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 you know, more terrifying than it actually is Now let's talk about the Islamic side of this and what the Muslims' approach uh, should uh, be towards it of course, the Prophet ﷺ said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dawa, dawa. That he has sent down the disease and sent down the cure as well. So we are a scientific nation that do not believe in, not, in abandoning traditional medication. That you just go in there and tawakkla Allah and don't worry about anything whatsoever. No one can affect me if Allah is with me and this kind of approach. And that's incorrect. If there is a condition which there is a cure for, or there is a strategy or a protocol that needs to be followed, then you need to follow the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in a number of hadith, and I was just looking at some of them that I can use, um, a, a number of them actually uh, are related to camels. There was very little, yani, from what we, not very little, but yani, relatively, in terms of infection amongst hum- uh, humans in the Sunnah, all right, when you look at uh, medical conditions. But amongst the animals, and amongst uh, trees, yes, a number of mentions of that um, And that's why cross-fertilization is something which needs to be controlled And that's also why animal breeding is also something which needs to be controlled So for example, the Prophet ﷺ said that a sick animal should not be yani, uh, mixing with the healthy ones Right? This is hadith Sahih However, this is not yani, taken to the... So this is on one side, the other hadith that we know is of plague if you hear about the plague in a land uh, علي, Then don't يعني, go towards that place And if you are in a place where it is Then don't يعني, don't, uh, uh, don't flee from it And if you are in a place that has been quarantined Because of the, uh, the plague Then don't flee from it So this is the one side Where the Prophet ﷺ is clearly telling us يعني, Be cautious and don't يعني, go and cause uh, trouble Now the trouble here is linked, the illah, is linked to the plague or is linked to severe conditions, right? The plague is something which is entirely an entire different kettle of fish to the normal influenza uh, virus or or coronavirus or something like that The fatality rate is incomparable and the seriousness is incomparable Um, When the Prophet ﷺ is speaking about conditions like leprosy and like uh, plague there's a level of seriousness which, uh, you know, some people are asking for example um, uh, should we go to Hajj or not? And should we go to Umrah or not? Should we go to, should we go to Pakistan or not? All right? Should we go on our family holiday or not? 100% you should. 100%. And when you go to Pakistan, okay, I'll tell you something, coronavirus or no coronavirus, you're going to become so ill that you said I'm going to die. <laughs> You'll you, you, you will, you will say that coronavirus' dad has just yet yeah, infected me. And his mom. Okay? You'll be sitting on our toilet, Okay. And it's not just that all your ghana's going to come out. Yeah, you. What did what was the thingy? Peeing out your yeah. <laughs> the chief has a phrase for that. Okay, he is he is encapsulated exactly what happens when you go to Pakistan. Listen, your whole organs will come out. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Now, normally, if you saw someone whose organs were coming out of his mouth, yeah, and bleeding to death, yeah, you'd say this is the worst thing in the world. So why is it anything less when it's coming out the other end, right? you'll feel so weak, you'll feel so, Yani. Yeah, I'm telling you. Uh, and, uh, now, there's a joke side to that, and there's a real side to it as well. I mean, last year we went to Pakistan with the family, and some of them got really ill. And obviously, I know that you, you think that just because they asked for a drop, drop, Yani, yeah, put him on drop, yeah? They, they, a drop was given, because that's obviously an obligatory starting point. However, it helped out. It did, and they do require rehydration and glucose and saline and all the rest of it. So, Yani, yeah, before you even care about coronavirus, You will be suffering something Which will leave coronavirus for dead In terms of its severity Hajj and Umrah Let me tell you something Hajj is not possible It's just not physically possible And I don't know how many years I've been going now To go to Hajj and not get ill And people call it It's a very soft name They call it Hajjikov You call it Hajjikov You know know who calls it Hajjikov? The people who don't have Hajjikov That's who call it Hajjikov As for the ones who get it, they basically said, I'm dead (laughs) I'm dead, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dead Alhamdulillah that I got to the Haram They start speaking in all these romantic phrases They don't realise that nothing's going to happen They're going to be chucked in a bulldozer somewhere else here (laughs) They, honestly, it is a mad, mad level of illness It genuinely, genuinely is And last year, just to give you so So I obviously get this infection all the time And it's a viral infection, okay and you are coughing up absolutely everything, you can't breathe, you can't do everything. we're we're giving people uh, crazy antibiotics, not for the virus infection, but to prevent, because your body becomes so weak, but to prevent, then you being taken advantage of by a secondary bacterial infection, so we're going in, with amoxicillin 250 milligrams three times a day, azithromycin, bam, (laughs) three days, double the dose, call 1200 milligrams three times a day, no messing about, Yani, you know, proper hardcore behavior. And then we're giving that to every single person that, 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 that moves. Right? And people are literally dying. I mean, they are in a really bad way. And so I want you to know that when it comes to these hadith, even, even just yani, for context, there was no scholar that I know of in history that considered it haram to go to a land of plague. Even a land of plague. Yani, this hadith, this statement of La taqdimu alayhi, is a. Uh, 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 not an amr al wujub Most of the scholars said that at worst it is makruh. So what about then a country or a place that where it's not the plague and where the baseline is illnesses that is going to affect in fact everyone as part of normal day reality, yani which is far less than the condition that you're going to or that you're worried over that you're scared of. So I think that you shouldn't be can- cancelling your summer holidays to uh, wherever you're going. Um, uh, I don't believe uh, that uh, 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 is the way. That fear is the way. Legal things are something different. If the Foreign Office, for example, wants to re- uh, reduce uh, uh, travel because of safety protocols, uh, yeah, and because it wants to control the infection. Of course, it wants to control the infection. People might say you're you're belittling the condition. I'm not belittling the condition. A country has a responsibility to protect everybody, not just yeah, the uh, the rest of us who are not 90 years old and not one years old. Yeah. Just because the rest of us are going to recover, the vast majority of us, and we have far greater chance of being killed by a hundred other things, doesn't mean that it's all about us. So our government has a responsibility to its elderly, and it can't afford for the elderly to get hit, because a large number will perish as a result. So uh, I'm not belittling it. It is serious, but in serious and immunocompromised uh, populations. So you yourself should not have this unnecessary panic. And... um, if the foreign, uh, uh, the, foreign, um, the foreign Office, for example, says, like it said now, don't go to China. This is a common sense statement. So don't go to China. It says don't go to North Italy because of the current situation right there. You don't go to North Italy. It hasn't said anything else to other countries. And until it says that, that is how you operate. Now, that's following the legal system of the land, which is great. The theology, though, is something very different. I want you to understand that Muslims should not be so weak-minded. Is very, very important. A, a Bedouin came to the Prophet ﷺ, hadith sahih, and said that, you know, that these camels are... Uh, uh, how can we uh, stop uh, this yeah, the infection spreading? And this camel here, he, he's going to infect everybody uh, else. You know what the Prophet ﷺ said? Prophet ﷺ said, and who infected the first one? Who infected the first one? Meaning that this is from the Qadr of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala. This idea that it only yani, is... Uh, that it's something we're all out of threat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created and started the virus And then it will then vanish into nothingness Either it will go and close Or it will just continue And it will take its base number of people every year Like the common cold does Like HIV does Like every other virus that you just don't care about Because it's not in the news And our, our iman in that is very very important That's why the Prophet ﷺ very quickly came out and said Anyone who dies from ta'un, From the plague is shaheed Anyone who dies from an infection which has come and infected them in this virulent kind of manner That in an unexpected manner, in this kind of way Then they are shaheed To calm the people down and to allow their iman to to come through The other hadith, the Prophet said that the believers do not infect one another Now, this does not mean that you don't take precautions It means that we cannot go into society keeping thinking that everybody is an infective risk this is not yeah, how Muslims act This is not how our Iman yeah, should be So, at the same time the, the medicines that are available, when the vaccine comes then it's, uh, you know, it should be taken by the people who need to take it Like, uh, I'll give you an example right now How many people are taking the, the flu vaccine? Even the elderly who are, in this country, at genuine risk of death if they get flu, they are offered it for free They're not just offered it for free, they're begged to take it They get phone calls and letters and what do all our parents do? Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, that's it. Put it in the bin and that's it. How many of them actually go and get the the the, the vaccination against the flu? So, yani yeah, what I'm saying is that if the human mind is gonna relax and understand the threat of just normal conditions can cause illness, then we shouldn't, yany, yeah, overreact to the uh, to the, 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 the coronavirus as well. And that's you know, from a Dini point of view, that we do practical, we take practical steps, but we don't exaggerate it and make it you know, into something which is you know, making us so scared and worried and not interacting with people. This is not right. This is unacceptable, right? Especially for something which is clearly not in the categories of uh, the uh, major uh, killers or whatever they are. All right, that's what I wanted to share for everybody who... Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, the other associated matters. Um, the main associated matter is that people who are asking that if they have a package holiday, let's say that they have a package holiday to, to Spain, or, or a package holiday to Hajj, or a package holiday, a package holiday, package to Hajj, or a package to X Y Z, and they are uh, uh, afraid that um, it will get cancelled, right? And how can they protect themselves? Is it permissible to claim against <coughs> the uh, travel agent? Answer is yes, it is permissible. Okay. And this claiming against the, um, uh, the, the, the Thomas Cook who would have uh, sold you that package or a Hajj company that would have given you the Hajj package, this claiming against them is an insurance contract. Okay, uh, Even though you've not signed an cons- insurance contract. In Islam speaking, from a classical Islamic point of view, there is no basis for... As far as, in in my opinion, as far as I know, according to the limits of my knowledge, there is no Islamic basis for you to get a refund. If you have uh, paid, for example, uh, for a holiday to Spain, and they've bought the flights, they've paid for the hotels, the deal is done, and then it gets cancelled. Islamically speaking, that is the qadr of Allah, and it happened, and that's it. It's not the, the problem of the package people, blah, 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 blah. However, all of the packaged people in this country are atoll, or they should be atoll, registered. And it is their policy that the companies have to refund it. So you have the ability to request a refund. Now, the vast majority of scholars consider insurance to be impermissible. And likewise, they include travel insurance to be impermissible. Many of you know that I hold the the position that the minority of scholars hold. And I've spoken about that before in detail, that I consider insurance to be permissible. And therefore, by extension, I also consider a travel insurance contract to be permissible. Here, even though you've not taken out a travel insurance contract, it is permissible, in my opinion, to claim against the company via uh, Atoll standards to get your money back if your holiday is cancelled because of the coronavirus. Is it permissible for you? To take out travel insurance just in case because you know atoll might not come through or maybe it doesn't have uh, cover or maybe the company's not at all protected i believe the answer is yes you can proactively take out travel insurance i consider it to be a permissible contract and i consider the payment that you get that is commensurate to the loss that you would suffer i think that that's allowed for you to claim if you claim it's not permissible for you though to say Uh, You know I've spent 5,000 pounds On this holiday And so But I'm claiming back 15,000 pounds 5,000 for the uh, costs that I have lost And 10,000 for the Emotional distress Of not going on holiday Yeah This is Bakwas Yeah And that's of course What the insurance industry That's the corruption That happens in that Right And people just add on And add on And add on Islamically that's not allowed And I don't allow it either So I believe that You are allowed To take measures Take an insurance policy To protect your holidays Or whatever um, Or to claim off At all all right, those I think cover most of the uh, issues. And if a vaccine is created, then I believe that, that it is reco- it is allowed to take it. I don't think it's obligatory, and I don't even think it is recommended. But it is allowed for a person who wishes it, because I do not believe medical treatment is an obligation in Islam. There has to be a, a, a weighing up of pros and benefits, uh, pros and pros and cons rather. So I think that pretty much. Anyone have any side? Uh, Angles to come at that one clarification. Anybody? Are we done? All right. Right. You can close the thingy down. Okay. So LP folks, right? We stopped at the statement. shismo. that the prayer is invalidated with the passing of a black, pure black dog only. Yeah, and then we explained that in actual fact, you know, that we need to take, we need to consider the hadith yani, in, uh, in more depth and the safer position is to consider that all of the three categories mentioned in the hadith, whether that's a donkey, whether that's a woman, whether whatever, it doesn't matter. If they pass by, then we should uh, consider it to be a real major problem. Invalidate the prayer? Maybe not so, but major, major issue. Yeah, so that's, that's last week's lesson. Text, uh, Shaz? So we are now uh yeah walahu atta walahu atawwadh 'inda ayati wa'idin was-su'alu 'inda ayati rahmatin walaw fi fard So it is allowed for him to seek refuge during the verses of punishment and ask during verses of mercy even in the obligatory payment prayers even in the obligatory prayers Ask, by the way, and ask during the rest of mercy is the literal translation of the Arabic, but ask here in brackets refers to his mercy, his favour, his blessings. That's what it basically means because obviously when you ask, you never ask for, except for anything except something which is positive. Yep, that's an understood thing. Now, I think we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. I don't know where or somewhere I mentioned that some, some uh, people, they also ask for those which, things which are not positive, in a, uh, what they think in a halal way Like, Ya Allah, don't punish me in the hereafter whatever you have in the hereafter bring it to me now so that I don't have to face it where it's worse in the hereafter So you're actually asking theoretically in a good way but you're asking for a, v- a bad thing which is not acceptable So whenever you see ask in an absolute sense it's always referring to the, the Rahmah or the, ex- or, or the good things Alright, so at the top of page 287 so Wala huwa taawudh Okay, okay. Ta'awud is another way for saying, Awudh Billahi Mishnana um or Astaghfirullah, or Allahumma aghfir li. Ta'awud is al-i'atisamu billahi ta'ala min kulli makruh. Ya'ani, it is clinging. taawudh basically means seeking refuge, clinging to Allah, ya'ani, going back to Allah, with every difficult situation, every disaster situation, every yani, reprehensible uh, scenario, something you hate, something that scares you, something that you're worried about. So it's about seeking refuge. That's what ta'awwud is. And it should happen and the ayat wa'idin. It should be uh, 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 anytime that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, for example, right? So, and for the disbelievers, is a painful torment so that's a, a an ayah of punishment an ayah of threat then you should say a'udhu billahi min dhalik okay a'udhu billahi min dhalik a'udhu billah so if you say a'udhu billah when you hear that then what you've done is that you heard the threat and you asked allah to protect you or you say a'udhu billahi min dhalik and yani, oh allah protect me from that a'udhu billah min hadha yeah a'udhu billah min sharr these are all easy open uh, forms and according to what the, the author has said, there's no difference when the, whether the imam should say it or whether someone who's praying behind the imam should say it or whether someone who is praying alone should say it. All of it, uh, uh, whatever. Now, if we look at this in a bit more uh, detail, the imam obviously makes sense, right? And the one who's praying alone obviously makes sense because you are... In, you know, the Imam is praying alone alone yani, quote unquote when he's leading a jama'ah but he's the one who's reciting he's the one yani who's thinking and so on and you know he knows what he's saying and likewise he has full agency right there and the guy who's praying alone also knows what he's saying and what he wants to say and what he believes and so for them there's no issue there's no doubt that they should uh, uh, seek uh, seek yani, Stifar, make uh, in these th- verses of threat and seek yani. Uh, rahmah in the ayahs, uh, ayahs where Allah mentions that. As for the one who's ma'moom, the ma'moom means the follower, yeah, the one who is uh, 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 following yani, the Imam. By the way, uh, Ambreen asks, Allahumma uh, la taja'alla minhum. Okay, oh Allah don't make us from them. That's correct. This is yani, a dua. This is a dua, okay, but it is not ta'awud. Because ta'awud. Is a specific form of protection So when you say Oh Allah, don't make me from them Even though the consequence is the same It's different from Oh Allah, I seek refuge with you أعوذ بالله Or أعوذ بك من hada Or whatever Even though it's the same consequence But this is permissible for you to say Alright Well we're going to discuss how In what way and in what manner وَأَمَّا عَلَى بَلْ فِي ذَلَكَ تَفْصِيلُ وَهُوَ in and add that to not listening to the imam then he is if uh, uh so for example right لو كانت ايات الوعيد في اثناء قراءه الامام if the imam is reciting out loud and he comes across an ayah, he recites an aya in which there is a punishment then if you are praying behind the imam and you react and say allahumma la tajalna minhum or a'udhu billahi shaitan al rajim okay whilst the imam is reciting you have gone uh, and this is not an obligation of course Right, This is what we said walahu, And for him it is allowed to Which means that uh, you know There's five levels of action right? Haram Makro Allowed Recommended Fard okay. This is at best allowed Not Sunnah Okay Alright This is allowed The reason that it's so low down on the list of allowed Is because It's often going to come at a time Where it's going to cause a problem And this is the primary problem If the Imam is reciting And you say أَوْضُ بِلَّهِ Rajim, While he's reciting How are you listening to him? Okay and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, alright? Ya'ni, listen very, very carefully, very quietly. You're not meant to be, yani making your own kind of du'as and thinking and whatever. What You're meant to be listening to the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Sheikh uh, Shaykh Uthameen says that the Prophet actually prohibited Al-Ma'muman Yaqra al-imam, yaqra', illa bi'um al-Quran. So Sheikh uh, Shaykh Uthameen says that the Prophet actually prohibited someone to recite or to speak or say anything whilst the imam is reciting because that's going to make that person um, uh, preoccupied okay. so, so this is the reason this is the reason why if you are late to the prayer this is a good point and you, are, you enter into the prayer and the Imam is reciting you do not do al-istiftah A lot of people do that Right? They jump into the prayer Allahu Akbar And they're like Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika wa tabarakasmuka And the Imam is reciting out loud I'm, 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 I'm not talking you doing it out loud You're doing it quietly okay? You're doing it to yourself like you should be But he is not listening at all to what the Imam is saying because he's reciting his own يعني, formula and he's trying to get it done Okay, and then Rajim. And then you recite the fa- 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 uh, fa- uh, Fatiha فَصَارَ ظَاهِرِ الكلام الْمَأْمُومِ So, يعني, uh, meaning that you shouldn't be going and doing all of this kind of behaviour Straight into the Fatiha Okay, because that is the only obligatory requirement that is needed from a prayer if he's reciting and you're listening to him That's good enough But if, you, if he's already gone further down Then you need to jump straight in And get to the Surah Al-Fatiha Yeah, and get the Surah Al-Fatiha out of the way So that you can focus But that's because the Surah Al-Fatiha Is an absolute rukan of the prayer All this other stuff is not nowhere, nowhere near Nowhere close to being a rukan of the uh, prayer um, And what does it mean An ayah of threat or an ayah of punishment. It basically means every single um, verse that is mentioning punishment. So if it mentions the fire, or it mentions any form of punishment, yani in the fire, uh, um, or it mentions the reality of the criminals in Mujrimin, yani in the fire, or anything like that. Anything which is negative to do with adab but the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a place of displeasure or a place of punishment or an act of, of sin. So this is something that a person should not be doing whilst in the jama'ah. Simple as that. But while when they're them by themselves, then you do it, and when you're at the imam, then you are allowed to do it. Now if the imam does it and you do it as well, that's something which is okay. Alright? Because the imam is gonna pause. If the Imam pauses, you'll know. Oh, Imam's paused. And you'll hear him whisper. Astaghfirullah. A'udh Billah. And there's an opportunity for you to do it at that time. You're not not losing concentration. You're actually following exactly what he said. But that's not something you copy for the sake of copying. You've got to feel it. It's not some taqlidi thing that you just do for the sake of doing. You're actually asking Allah to protect you. Alright? And then also for the Musalli. It is for him to ask... For the mercy of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, if He passes by a verse of mercy, for example, He pers- He He comes across a mention of Jannah, so He He will say, "Allahumma inni as'aluka al-Jannah." O oh, Allah, I ask You for Jannah. So anything which is talking about the believers or Jannah, and then you ask, oh Allahumma, Allahumma inni, Allah, inni as'aluka min Fadlik." O oh, Allah, I ask You from Your Fadl, from Your grace and from Your generosity. يعني ولو مر السنة thana على الأنبياء أو لو الليا أو ما أشبه ذلك يَقُولْ أَسْأَلَ اللَّهَ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ أَوْ أَسْأَلَ اللَّهَ أَن يلحقني بِهِمْ أَوْ مَا ذَلِكَ yani, And for example, if you see that the verses on the Anbiya or the Prophets Or speaking about the Awliya and so on Then uh, you are allowed to say, Oh Allah, let me join with them بِهِمْ Oh Allah, يعني, uh, make, make me meet up with them Oh Allah, bless me with the same actions Oh Allahumma جَعَلْنِي مِنْهُمْ Yani, the opposite to the previous du'a oh, Allah, make me from the awliya Make me from the yani, uh, ibadul Rahman, for example So, this is yani, what it means fi Now, this is yani, the final point That we're going to uh, discuss Okay Even if it is the obligatory prayer What's our number one Not number one What does this statement Even if it's an obligatory prayer What does that indicate? We've said this yani, a number of times Not the actual detail yet, just the word walaw, even. What does even, the mention of even, indicate? Yep, that there's a difference of opinion, okay? Remember this, yeah? Whenever walaw is, uh, is mentioned, even, then that indicates that within the school itself, within the scholars itself, within the madhab itself, some yani do not think that it's allowed in the obligatory prayer. So when you see even in the obligatory prayer That's basically saying to you that actually A number of scholars are saying it's only the sunnah prayer And not the anything and Yes as Hamza said there's some debate about that So um, What does Sheikh say? Al-Sahih muallif Okay um, He goes that in my opinion the author is correct This is something which is allowed in the prayer This is dua And dua is from the actual nature of the salah itself And that's something which you should do يعني, When you come across يعني, scenarios in the prayer itself يعني, uh, In the prayer itself with, with respect to the Qur'an Whether the negatives and the positives The evidence is the hadith of Hutaif ibn Yaman anhu That he was praying with the Prophet ﷺ one night And the Prophet ﷺ recited surah al-Baqarah and then Surah Al-Nisa And then Surah Al-Imran And La rahmatin illa sa'al, And he didn't go past any verse of mercy Except that he asked uh, for it Wala illa And not via any uh, verse that mentioned punishment Or of any punishment or any negative yani, whatever Except that he sought, he sought refuge from it And this hadith is uh, 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 actually, I will tell you the exact reference for this hadith uh, 67 This hadith is narrated by Imam Muslim in the book of the Salat al Musafirin, Hadith number 772 Hadith number 772 um, So that's the that's the hadith That's the action of the Prophet and, and he is an example for us Of course What he does is yani, what, what we should do And whatever he does And we should take that uh, Unless there's some evidence Which will, um, will contradict that Now someone will say Hold on This is a night prayer This is a nafil prayer And we're discussing the fard What's our answer? And what did we say? Anything which is established in the nafil is established in the Fard unless there is an evidence which goes against it. That's our basic principle. Whatever is established in the Nafl prayer in terms of permissibility, then that is allowed for us to do in the Fard prayer unless there is an evidence that prohibits it. Simple as that. So we can or we can pray on a camel and it can be walking because that's what it's allowed to do in the Sunnah as we saw the Prophet ﷺ, do And then we can do it in the far prayer Oh wait We know that it's not allowed to do that in the far prayer Because of the evidences that we covered before A couple of months back If those evidences weren't there Then we would have also been allowed to have prayed walking Prayed sitting down for the far prayer as well So basic principle Whatever is established in the sunnah or in nafal prayers Is also established in And rule continues onto the obligatory Unless there's an evidence which clearly negates that Or prohibits that Okay so, the. Shaykh Uthameen then says, after having yani, thought about this issue, um, this is my opinion. I'm going to translate literally. He goes, as for the nafal prayer, especially the night prayer, I think it's a sunnah. It's an actual sunnah to make ta'awud at uh, 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 every uh, ayah of punishment, uh, at, at, the ayah of, at an ayah of punishment. And to ask Allah's mercy at at an ayah of mercy. In emulation of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because that's something which gives more presence to the heart. And it allows a person to make better tadabbur. Better better reflection. Makes the experience more real. And it's a sunnah to elongate the night prayer. And this elongation uh, is seen in longer sujood, longer qira'ah and so it's not out of place to also be making dua while standing in the middle of recitation, it fits the model, if someone says and and as for amma fi salatul fard, Shaykh Uthaymeen says sunnah wa in kana it is not a sunnah to do in the fard prayer even if it is allowed so it's allowed to do but it's not a sunnah to do. Just like the author said, it is allowed for a person to do, but it's not a sunnah. We did not see the Prophet ﷺ do this in the obligatory prayer. We see him doing it in the uh, uh, thingy prayer only, the nafal prayer only. If a person says, ما دليلك ala هذا tafriq wa anta taqul," يعني شيخ says, what if someone now says to us, hold on, uh, just a minute ago you just said, whatever is established in the sunnah is established in the farḍ. Now you're saying, it's a sunnah in the nafal but now it's not a Sunnah in the Fard. He goes, the dalil ala hadha, that the, uh, this is nice, he said that the evidence is this, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa kan yusalli fi kulli yawm wa layla thlasa salawat. Okay? He, the Prophet sallallahu every single day, prayed three prayers, every single day, where he prayed out loud. Okay? Fajr Maghrib, Isha' And he would recite so many verses every single day, which we're talking about tens of thousands now, okay? Across all his time, reciting verses of punishment, reciting verses of mercy. And we do not have, from those specific companions who have brought us the prayer, because not all the companions narrated the prayer to us. When we depend upon the prayer, it's a group of companions that have done that. That group of companions has not produced for us any evidence or hadith that the prophet ﷺ used to do this practice in the obligatory prayer and if it was a Sunnah then he would have done it and it would have been narrated to us and when therefore and by the so by virtue of the fact that it has not been narrated to us we know that he did, he didn't do it and And once we know that he didn't do it, then we realize that it's not Sunnah. And the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they were very, very careful to notice every single tiny thing. And I think that's now clear. Yeah, and so far in your studies so far, with all the hadith that have been narrated, nothing is left out. So this also wouldn't have been left out. This would have been actually one of the more obvious, easier things to spot and to transmit. So they're very, very careful to follow the Prophet in absolutely everything and so on and yet and even even to the, even to the thingy they used to know that he was reciting because of the movement of his beard so they were able to notice the movement of his beard and so if you're that يعني, able to notice and, and narrate and tell us then you know when they say that he didn't say it in the obligatory prayers every single day then we know this is not a sunnah of the Prophet in the obligatory prayer, you get what I'm saying, folks? Okay. Um, as we said a couple of months ago, Abu Hurairah an, he said um, that I noticed the the length of silence between the takbir and the Fatiha that uh, that made him then determine that there's something to be said. So even the silent parts that they are narrating. So when they didn't see it, they didn't narrate it. So it didn't ha- didn't happen. Um, and, and subhanAllah, he, he says another point. He goes, even if he didn't say it out loud, check this out, at least he would have said, stayed silent. So if Abu Hurairah is saying to us that the Prophet ﷺ went silent between Takbir and the Fatiha, and then further investigation in other hadith then, then discovers that he finds out what is said at that time, he would have said to us that we heard this ayah of Wa'id, and then he uh, stopped or he was silent. They would have narrated it. But it didn't even happen. It didn't, yani, there wasn't even there wasn't even silence, let alone anything else. Alright. Sheikh says, what if someone says, okay, if that's the situation, then so why don't you then just prohibit it in obligatory prayer? Like some scholars have, by the way. Some scholars, right? And I think most uh, yani, certainly the Hanafi scholars, okay, and then there are others as well. They prohibited the uh, 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 making this يعني, In the obligatory prayers Okay Because The Prophet ﷺ said Sallu kama ra'itumuni Because the Prophet ﷺ said Pray like, I, like you see me pray The response to that Is that The Prophet ﷺ Leaving it Not doing it Does not mean It is prohibited This is not يعني, A maxim Him leaving it Means it's prohibited No Him leaving it yani is not indicating that. We have a basic principle. He told us in the Hadith that this prayer is not befitting for people to speak in it. This is a place of just Tasbih and Takbir and the recitation of the Quran. And Dua is not the speech of the people. This is Tasbih and Dhikr and Dua. It's the actual genre of the speech of the Quran and the Salah. And it doesn't invalidate the prayer. So therefore, its basic principle is that it is, it is allowed. Its basic principle is that it is allowed. However, we are not going to encourage people and say that it is recommended to do it because we don't have any evidence to suggest that. Okay, and the final point. Sheikh says, what if, oh, this is a famous scenario, Masala, if the, the Qari, the reciter, he says, he recites أَلَيْسَ ذَلَكَ بِقَادِرٍ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يُحْيِيَ الْمَوْتَىٰ And isn't he أَلَيْسَ بِقَادِرٍ Isn't he able to bring the dead back to life? It's a direct question Okay So this is not an ayah of punishment And it's not an ayah of reward and jannah It's a question, isn't it? simple, straightforward question. يعني, so can a person say bala or subhanahu Bala يعني, Subhanaka bala, يعني, bala means of course. That's what bala means, yeah? يعني, absolutely you can. And Subhanaka Bala means yeah Allah, of course you can. May Allah may you be yeah, exalted. Absolutely you can. That's a, like an exaggerated uh, form. And Sheikh Uthameen says that this has been narrated in a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which is narrated by Abu Dawood, and its number is eight hundred and eighty-four. And Imam Ahmed specifically he recommended this as well. Imam Ahmed he said, if the Imam says, biqadirin ala an this is verse forty of Surat al qiyamah in a prayer or outside the prayer, in a prayer or outside the prayer. Then let him say Subhanaka fa bala, Yani And you know you might have seen the packs bala wa wa ana dhalika min ashahidin. I think they say, Yaani, I think I remember when I was younger that's what our used to tell us, that uh, yes absolutely and I am from the those who bear witness to that. Yani, you know packs always want to add a bit masha masala, and add a little bit more you know because they love that behavior. So I just want to say that that extra yani I don't think is is warranted. Um, and also in Surah Al Watina wa Zaitun when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, alay sa- alay sa- Allah and isn't Allah the rule of all the rulers, يعني, the, the king of all kings? And for your call, Subhanak Fabala. Now, look at this uh, same kind of thing. Isn't Allah this? Absolutely, He is. And you're responding back to that. Shaykh Uthaymeen, in his opinion, he said that you can respond. In the farḍ and the nafl. so he's added the third category, but he's given it a higher level. He said that one, it doesn't have to be an ayah of punishment; two, it doesn't have to be an ayah of yāni mercy. A question is asked, and you are allowed to answer, and you are allowed to answer it in obligatory or nafil, and you are allowed to answer it whether it's a person reciting yāni the Qur'an generally or in the prayer. I just want to say, anyone reciting the Qur'an generally is obviously yāni are uh, 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 more likely for you to talk and discuss and speak and make du'a, of course. The Prophet ﷺ used to tell, Abdullah bin, famously, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he used to love listening to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu and recite. So he would say, come and recite for us. Yep. And you know, often he would be crying during his recitation. And he would be yani, uh, seeking ta'ud, making du'a, and sometimes telling him, stop, that's enough, that's enough, yani, I can't handle it anymore. Because it was be very heavy upon the Prophet ﷺ. So we know definitely it's allowed outside the prayer But we're talking about inside the prayer Now this last point about surah al tinu wa Zaytun yani to say at the end Bala Yani you know Absolutely you Allah You are the king of all kings This comes from a hadith as well However I've always considered this hadith to be weak Which is why I don't practice it This hadith is narrated by Imam Ahmad And narrated by Imam Abu Dawud as well uh, Hadith number 887 And narrated by Imam Tirmidhi as well And Imam Al Tirmidhi, he considered this hadith to be weak. He said that it has unknown narrators in this, or it has an unknown narrator in his chain. And I think the majority of the people of hadith consider this hadith to be weak, the specialists. But it's a matter of difference, and it's something which I don't think is a major issue. Uh, If a person does it, then there's enough scholars behind that. But I personally do not do it, because I think that all versions of these narrations are actually weak, and Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala knows best. Um, before I take some questions, I just want to just uh, make an announcement that, you know, the, um, the uh, ISOC folks are here and they're asking everybody for a little bit of support. Um, they're doing a... Wait, when is this uh, charity dinner? 8th of, of March. yeah. So on the 8th of March, they're going to they're be doing a... or they're going to be not doing it, they're going to organise it. It's going to happen in, uh, at the Academy. Uh, academy like a Students' Union Academy. <laughs> As in the academy where we used to go, I For, where? Sorry. Where... Where Chief used to spend his Friday nights. (laughs) You know, I talked about the academy last Friday. To the university students. Was it last Friday? Yeah, it was, yeah. I said to them, what are you doing here on Friday night? Yeah. So, um, on March the 8th, okay, March the 8th, um, they're doing a charity dinner uh, for... Um, in aid of um, the needy in Bangladesh, specifically for um, the feeding and the welfare of mothers and babies. I'm just going to mention some of the facts. Okay, every 60 every 60 pound raised, and obviously there's a famine s- situation. I mean, a desperate situation there at that uh, uh, at the moment. 60 pounds will feed a mother and a baby for a month, and every 1,200 pounds raised will purchase an incubator. And 15,000 can do uh, an ambulance now um, that's the 8th of March if you can go then it's gonna be an event meaning that it's family event you know you take kids out it's got nasheeds and talks and all the rest of it so that's enough reason but even if you know that you're not gonna go and don't intend on going then uh, I'd appreciate if you donate anyway and support them and or purchase tickets and give them someone else okay so donate either by not buying a ticket or buy the tickets and make the intention to go Or buy the tickets and more than one and uh, give it to someone else But support the cause, they came down for that And we're giving them this yani, evening uh, for that And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you royally Remember that yani. in these times, a lot of people talking about death yani. But what have you put forward for it? That's what the Prophet Wasallam said, right? When someone came to him giving it all that What have you prepared for it? That's the only thing that's going to matter, folks. A lot of people talking, a lot of stuff. But ultimately, our charity is probably one of the things that we could do a lot more with. All right? Jazakumullah khair. So what, what's going to happen is outside, all right, not inside, but outside in the shoe area, you'll see the brothers and the sisters. Uh, they've got buckets and all the rest of it. And they will... Uh, uh, don't let them down, yeah? Make sure that you uh, hook them up. Jazakumullah khair. So, yeah, now that's all fine. Come up now, what's the main reasoning behind the permissibility of travel insurance the, 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 the I've done this for insurance and I don't want to go into that It's a huge discussion the permissibility of insurance but in summary, I do not the, the, the insurance it's not actually uh, marina it's not for me to prove the permissibility of travel insurance. you have to prove it to be Haram okay It's not for me to prove it every mu'amalat Aqad is permissible in Islam. This is not a, 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 a this is a basic principle. All right. So I hope that that makes sense. You've got to bring the evidences that it is prohibited. Okay. Um, yes, I do believe that it's allowed for a person to get home and car insurance. I believe that. Um, The ma'amun not doing taawwud due to disturbing the imam Do we not do any tasbih due to an ayah recited by the imam either Or any dhikr? Well, according to what Sheikh Uthameen is saying That in a prayer where it's going to lead to Any kind of loss of concentration then The answer would be no And in principle you wouldn't be doing that in obligatory prayer You wouldn't be When you're reciting behind an imam There's a difference between a natural kind of reaction Where you might say one small thing like SubhanAllah or whatever versus yani, I'm going to make a du'a Allahumma inni as'aluk al-jannah Oh Allah, Allahumma ja'alni minhum Whatever So I, I, I think that, yani, I, I agree with the sheikh Is there any basis to why the Fatiha should be recited after the Imam's Fatiha Rather than at the same time or before Yeah, the basis is Is they're trying to minimize the damage That's why I never liked the opinion Whether you recite it afterwards or during is yani, Both is yani, you not listening properly Okay both of them is you, yani, you know, trying to do something at the wrong time. So, yani, um, if a person joins the imam and the imam is reciting Surah Al-Ikhlas, then does the person will still have to try to recite the Fatiha despite knowing he will not finish it? Yes, that's my opinion. He has to attempt the recital, recital of Surah Al-Fatiha even if he knows that he will not finish it and the imam is going to say Allahu Akbar. If someone sneezes during the prayer, can he himself say Alhamdulillah? Or if someone else sneezes, can he reply to his sneeze during his salad? Yeah? After the person says Alhamdulillah. After the prayer, yes. Okay, not during. And if a person sneezes himself, then he can say Alhamdulillah to himself, under his own breath, quietly. I believe that to be permissible, but I believe it to be far better and far more encompassing of the scholars And to stay in the safe side To neither say Alhamdulillah until afterwards Neither to give salam until afterwards Neither to say Arhamdulillah until afterwards All of that is much better and safer However I think it's allowed for a person to say Alhamdulillah to himself But I, 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 I personally think it should be avoided Alright um, There's proof that a man sneezes in the press Alhamdulillah and is praised for it But he was praising Allah to answer. What about the concept that the lack of narrations Regarding an action not happening Does not indicate that an action was not done that's very good, Mesa. Excellent question. Right? That is true. That the lack of narration does not mean... يعني, we say... يعني يعني, the, uh, the, the absence of the narration does not mean the absence of the hukam. But we've not said that the hukam is absent. We said that it was practiced very clearly, but it was practiced in the sunnah and not in the obligatory. We can see a clear pattern. Now, true... You see, we're not making this like an Iman, Kufr kind of point of view. Definitely, that, that someone could apply that uh, ruling and say, just because it wasn't narrated didn't mean it didn't happen, and I'm going to do it in the Fad. We'll say, okay, fair enough. But you know that that's a weak position because you don't have a single narration in the obligatory. You know what I'm trying to say? So it's a debatable point. But in response to your point, then that's okay. What about other que- questions? Um yeah and I think it's okay And who is more truthful than Allah in speech And you know you say no one Or you say Allah or something like that I think it's okay What about the saying of Amin in the prayer When reciting verses of the Quran Containing dua like the last two verses Surah Baqarah You classically hear people in the stuff saying Amin When the Imam finishes these verses I'm going to tell you honestly That I think that the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ always wins Logic yeah, would say you say Amin. I get it Logic and evidence would suggest it but I'm that kind of guy That if the Prophet ﷺ doesn't say it Then you know what? I don't need to say it either I don't need to give it the ameen there either I can yani, think ameen I'd rather think ameen Than tell everybody else yani, ameen yani, What are you actually saying? I just want you to remember That a dua If you want the dua To actually apply Technically doesn't need to be said You saying it You saying it Is you getting reward for it becomes, Because it becomes a dhikr So I mean Let's imagine you're not praying Let's imagine you're sitting there Waiting for the prayer to start And you pull out your hands And you start making dua It's a sunnah to say that out loud And to say in Arabic And to say what he said And to do it in a nice time And to do it between adha and niqama and, and, and all these little sunnas that you add Not only increase the chance of being accepted But it also gives reward to you All of these sunnas you take off So take all the sunnahs away What would a person end up doing? If you took every single sunnah of dua away, what would you end up with? You would end up with a kafir making dua in his heart in English. Agreed? Did, that, did it make sense what I just said? If the pinnacle of dua making, if the pinnacle of dua making is someone, obviously a Muslim, in the masjid between Azan and the Qama, waiting for the prayer to start, Yani lifted his hands, saying it in Arabic, saying it Yani audibly so that he himself can hear it, using words of the Prophet for a specific reason. It doesn't get any better than that. Sincere, regretful, really Yani up for it, done some charity beforehand. Let's make it Yani the ten out of ten. This du'a is gonna get answered, and in one of the three ways that du'a gets answered, and. This person is going to get reward for it. What's the dictionary opposite to this? It's obviously a non-Muslim. It's obviously no Arabic. It's obviously no dua that is of any recognizable anything. It's in English and it's not articulated. It's in the hearts. So therefore my question, does Allah listen to the dua of the non-Muslim who doesn't speak out? Answer, yes. Even Allah, of course we know, even answers the dua dua of the non-Muslims. And sometimes he even gives it to them because they're you know, dumb like that. They ask for the stupid things, and he gives it to them. Yani you know, because you know they want lots of wealth and whatever. Allah says, "Take it, take it, take it," you know, and you keep enjoying yourself. Yeah, and it just increases their غرور. It increases their blindness, and they turn away more from Allah. What does كافرون? Then Allah snatches their souls away whilst they're in that yani you know, state of delight and you know thinking everything's great. Yeah, Allah tells us that in the Quran. So and. They're not necessarily speaking Arabic. They're not speaking out dhikr. So, and as Ibn Taymiyyah said, Allah listens to the language of the hearts, not the language of the tongues. So you get what I'm trying to say? So, I don't think a person, if the Prophet doesn't say Ameen I and the companions don't say Ameen, I don't say خلاص. I, mean. I don't think it's a major. I wouldn't, though. Do you have any recommended resources for fiqh al mu'amalat? In English? I'm guessing in English, the answer is no, to be honest. I don't know. Given the new legislation, yeah, maybe next time. I have to ask again next time. What's the one before that underneath? Mariam asked something. When a charity gives you a tax receipt, should you use it? What does that mean? What do you mean? Should you use it? What does that mean? Why not? The first thing I look for when I give charity is that. How can I claim this back? <laughs> no, Lala. No, no, no? no good. Is that good? It's good. <laughs> Uh, Soaleha, can you make a donation online? Can they for the, the Manchester thing, Majid? Yeah. You're not making no link and send it to me. You're, you're giving it to Shazad right now to put on this portal. If you have it, give it to him. So let him, pay into the, the whatever it is. Ah, salam Hasan, are you in uh, Haram? Still. He was in he was in Mecca yesterday. Uh, can Tahitul Masjid only be prayed inside a physical masjid? No uh, What if the masjid is full of the prayer outside Remember Hassan That the masjid is the masjid As long as the lines keep going Wherever the lines end up Even if they end up in a shopping mall Then it is the masjid Okay Alright uh, what, what is Salah Sel- saying Zakatul She says you lost control mate Okay You've lost control Calm down Calm down You missed out mahbub. You missed out thingy Okay Just relax When you recite the Fatiha as a late comer to the prayer You miss the Imam reciting the Surah Is that permissible due to the fact that reciting a second Surah is a Sunnah? What's that? When you miss the Imam reciting the Surah Is that permissible due to... Oh, he's saying that can you recite the Surah? Isn't it? If you're saying Mahbub, yeah, that can you then recite the surah as well as the Fatiha Behind the imam because you've missed it Then if it's a quiet one, of course If it's a loud one, no Okay, if the prayer is a loud one, then no Right uh, And then uh, come pop, quickly uh, up, 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 up. Right, so the <coughs> fact that he did it in naffal prayers Is not enough to make it a sunnah act Correct, rather it makes it permissible to do Just not a sunnah No, 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 that's not what we said We said it's a sunnah in nafil prayers Just not a sunnah in the obligatory, just permissible, and for us to ever to give a ruling of sunnah, we would need an evidence that yes, correct. Yep, 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 correct. And that's it. Yep, that's all good. Zak muralakhir barakallah feekum. Please, yeah, and make sure you donate outside, guys and girls. Get outside. Zak muralakhir shubhanaka Allah wa'afnika shadoonilla illa ant. Wa'astaghfiruk Allahumma wa atubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaykum warahmatullahi wa barakatuh. There's some sweets here, folks.